Skiing? <laughs> Good guess. Skateboarding. Um, I do like skiing. No, last time I skateboarded it didn't end well. I ended up with like a thigh-sized scrape on my thigh. So, didn't like that. What was it, Tramon? I beat you with a bong. Exactly. What? Okay, so it, he's, he's very close. Okay, so I got to do something that I really enjoyed doing, and I got to hang with Trevon. And uh, what it was was we had just, we had talked, I think on Tuesday maybe, or Sunday, last, I don't know when we talked last, to, to figure this out, but the, the thing was, hey, we haven't hung out in a while, let's hang out. So Trevon came over. I picked him up from school. We hung out. I brought him to my house. We ate um, some food that Kylie made. She made a, a couple. She made a couple of things. She made this really good, like salsa stuff, and she made hummus. She makes homemade hummus. That's like, dude. I'm telling you what, man, it's fire. And Trevon like tried the hummus and almost threw up. Didn't like hummus. <laughs> Um, but the hummus was good. It was, there's something wrong with Trevon's tongue. Um, and then, and we were just hanging, just kind of chilling. And then, and then I was like, Trevon, do you want to drive? And so Trevon. Wait, I have a side story. Yes. So I was trying to teach Trevon how to drive and he almost killed us. Yeah, I, I believe it. And he started freaking out, so. And like he, like I told him to like go left, but then he started veering right. And he just kept on turning 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 right. Oh my goodness. Wow. So there you go. Okay, so Trevon did, Trevon did a good job in my car. Okay, so we got in the car and, and, Trevon, you know, he wanted to drive. He has his permit. I'm like, well, sure, let's give this a go. And so he gets in, and he's a little stiff at first. I mean, it's like a nerve-wracking thing. But then he drives us halfway to a thrift store, and he does great. And so then we had some busy roads, and it was good. There was, like, highway. We didn't want to do the highway thing that time. Um, but at the thrift store... Okay, at the thrift store, then we had this scavenger hunt of sort, um, of sorts planned, and so we had these different random items that we and Kylie had kind of determined we needed to find, and then the person who found the most of those items won. Right, so there was things in men's clothing, there were things in women's clothing. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, oh. It was, yeah, it was. It was weird. And then things in, in children's clothing and the knick-knack section and books. And, and so we had all these items that we had to find. And so we, we started, we said, ready, set, go. And then we wandered through this thrift store trying to find these things. And, and Tremont found nine things and I found, I think, five, maybe. And so he just totally, totally whooped me. Um, and yes, he did. Yeah, so anyways. Anyways. Um, so that happened, then we went back to my house because we had to wait for um, his stuff was in another car that Kylie had. And so we're just hanging. Yes, and he, he, uh, he got a salt lick light. Salt lick, salt. What? Yeah, salt lick, like a deer. Like he can put it out and the deer will come and then he shoots the deer. Yeah, the Himalayan salt lick. Yes, so Trevon got one of those. 
and that was good. It works now. How oh, good? Good. Um, so, anyways, then we went back to my house and we hung out. And we were talking, and it was a good time. Okay, and so that's that was one of my favorite things to do. I also got to hang with um, Gavin not too long ago. He's not here this morning, but we went to a thrift store. And so, if you hang with me, we're probably going to a thrift store. <coughs> we went to a thrift store. Yeah, Nate does the same. Um, and we walk in and we found some stuff. <clears throat> he got a pair of New Balance um, yes. dad shoes, all white, leather, probably weighed 16 pounds. <laughs> and we customized them. We taped them up and we hydro dipped them and we, we, were just, we were just hanging. Okay. And I can tell you this just hanging with students, with my friends. That's, that's one of my favorite things to do in the whole world. And um, <clears throat> if you haven't hung with someone in this group, I would just say, man, you ought, to, you ought to try it. You ought to try it. Because I have friends outside of this class. I have friends outside of ministry. And they're great. I love them. Um, but there's nothing like fellowship and friendship with people that, that you go to war with. And the people that care about you in a different way they care about your your spiritual life they care about you more than just what you look like and how you talk they care about you know how your soul is doing and that means a lot so i would encourage you to do that and that's kind of what we're going to be thinking about um in a way from from first chronicles 24 so let's look at a couple verses here um in first chronicles 24 we're going to read two verses and that's where we're going to launch from we're actually going to look at the story behind these two verses, but I'll tell you this: First Chronicles 24 is about um, the divisions of of the people who are working in this temple, right? So David builds the temple, yeah. David builds the temple. If you haven't been here, David builds the temple, and then he's organizing the workers, and that's what 24 is about. But these first couple verses, um, it's describing some homies. That we're going to take a look at here. Let me just get it pulled up. Okay. So verses 1 and 2. It says this. Now these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. Um, The sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. So these are the four sons of Aaron. But Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no children. Therefore, Eleazar and Ithamar executed the priest's office. So these dudes, Nadab and Abihu, died before their father died. They didn't have any children. This whole chapter is about men and their children. But this mentions that these two guys, they died before dad did and they didn't have children. And so it's like, wait, that's weird. What happened? Right? And some of you know the story. How many of you know, by show of hands, you know what happens to Nadab and Abayu? No clue. Okay, very few. That's good. That's good. This is going to be interesting then. Okay, uh, here's what we need to do. We need to take a look at this story. So flip in your Bible to Leviticus. Leviticus? What in the world? Where is Leviticus? It's the third book of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. So it's all the way back there in the beginning. And we're going to go to chapter 9. We're going to look at the very last verse of chapter 8. And then we're going to look at chapter 9. So I'll give you a sec to turn to Leviticus. Leviticus. Uh, Philip's got Bibles if you need one. He is the Bible... The Bible thumper. 
Yes. <laughs> Leviticus chapter, really chapter 9. You want to see the last verse of chapter 8, but you want to, you want to hang in 9, okay? Yeah, everybody there? Okay, Leviticus chapter 8, verse 36, and then moving into chapter 9. It says, so Aaron and his sons, what were his sons' names? Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. So, so Aaron and his sons did all things which the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. So what does that mean? That just means that Moses would tell these guys what to do, but it was the Lord using Moses to tell them what to do. Does that make sense? So God's going to tell Aaron what to do using Moses. So in chapter 9, verse 1, it says this, And it came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said unto Aaron, Take thee a young uh, calf for a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering, and without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. And unto the children of Israel thou shalt speak, saying, Take ye a kid of the goats for a sin offering, and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year, without blemish, for a burnt offering. Also a bullock and a ram for peace offerings, uh, to sacrifice before the Lord, and a meat offering mingled with oil for today. The Lord will appear unto you. And they brought that which Moses commanded before the tabernacle of the congregation. And all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commanded that ye should do. And the glory of the Lord shall appear unto you. Okay, so what in the world just happened? Well, it's kind of crazy, but this is all that happens. God calls these priests, Aaron and his sons, to come to make a sacrifice and an offering and tells them that he will appear unto them. He says, listen, you bring these sacrifices, all these different things, and I'm going to appear unto you. The glory of the Lord is going to appear unto you. I'm going to visit you. I'm going to be with you. That's kind of weird. What a crazy thing, right? So here's our first key takeaway, our essential takeaway is what we'll call them. Just as the people needed a sacrifice in order to experience God, we need a sacrifice. We need a sacrifice to experience God. We need a sacrifice to experience God. You need an ex- a sacrifice to experience God? But consider this, your friends need a sacrifice to experience God. Your friends will never experience God unless a sacrifice has been made. Your family members will never experience God. They'll never know God intimately. They'll never have conversation with God unless there's a sacrifice that's made. Who can tell me why? Why does some sacrifice need to be made? What, what in the world are you talking about? Why? Why, why do we need a sacrifice? I gave you the verses there, Bible students, Romans 3.23 and 6.23, and I gave you the answer. Joe? Exactly. We've all sinned. Okay, so the Bible says, for all have sinned and, and fallen short and come short of the glory of God. You and I, we've sinned, and what that does was, what, what it did was, if, if this is us, we're the right hand, and God is this hand, our sin, which we've all done according to the Bible, separates us. 
I can't reach. Ah. Right? I can't get there. And the Bible says in 6.23, Romans 6.23, that the wages or the price, the payment, the sacrifice that's required, the wages of sin is death, a sacrifice. Death needs to happen in order for this sin, this separation, to be made whole. A sacrifice needs to be made. And we see that from Leviticus, but it's true for you and me as well. Does that make sense? You with me? Okay, let's keep going in Leviticus here. Leviticus 9.22. We're going to skip a bunch of verses because 7 through 21 is all about the sacrifices unfolding. It just details the sacrifices. Interesting study if you want to go and look through there. But 22 says, And Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them and came down from offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. So he goes and he makes the sacrifices. He does it. Sacrifice was made. Aaron and his boys did it. And he comes down and he blesses them. And just like Aaron and his, his sons, those priests, made the sacrifice, the sacrifice for us was made. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Our sacrifice was paid. A sacrifice is required and a sacrifice was made. So, our essential takeaway is that Jesus Christ, if you don't know anything about the Bible, if you don't know anything about what we've been talking about, or what, we're, what this church is about. If you don't know anything about church, or God, or the Bible, know this. Jesus Christ came to earth to offer His life for ours. And what that means is, the payment was paid for all of us, once and for all. A sacrifice is required because of our sin, but Jesus Christ came to earth and He paid the sacrifice. That's amazing, y'all. That's amazing. There's a video that maybe makes it a little more understandable. But let me just tell you this. Okay, What that means is, the sacrifice that was made is like this. Okay, So I have a book at my house that I checked out from the library about Kylie what? Six weeks. Quit it. That thing was like four months ago. It's old. Right, it was during the beginning of summer, something like that, and um, so my finds they they sent me emails. They're like, "Hey, you've got finds because your book is late," and then they send me another email, "Hey, you've got finds because your your stuff is late." I'm like, oh, "Okay, I get it," uh, but I just never made it up there. And then finally, they were like, "Okay, listen, the book is lost. You're gonna buy us a new book." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So now I've got like a twenty five dollar fine on my mid-continent public library account ah right which means that my my rental ability is probably suspended like i can't check out any more books i can't go to the library i know right but here's here's the illustration okay i have fines 25 dollars i don't have any desire to go up and pay my 25 dollars but I do have desires to check out books and read books, but I can't. I can't. So if Kylie were, were going to be Christ-like, <laughs> I did offer to take that book back. She could. No, I don't want. I want to keep the book. I got to pay for it anyways. If Kylie were going to be Christ-like, what could she do? She could go to the library. 
lay down 25 large and pay my fine, right? I don't know. Is that what we say? No. Okay. So, so what Jesus did is you and I have a delinquent. We are delinquent. We have fines on our account. We can't go to God unless that, that, that fee is paid. And Jesus came and he paid it. He paid it. It's all wiped out. You can go to the library. And he did the same thing for your friends. And he did the same thing for your family members. And he did the same thing for, for everyone. He came and died and paid the price. But we have the responsibility of accepting that sacrifice. And saying, Jesus, you came and died for me. Your Lord. I bow my entire life to you. There's nothing more important. Because you gave everything for me. I surrender. I surrender all. It's all about you, your Lord and Savior. So if you haven't done that, that's the most important thing that you can hear today is that Jesus Christ came and died for your sins and you ought to, you ought to accept that. So let's keep going in Leviticus after we see this video that will kind of give us um, a demonstration of, of what that really looks like or what really happened. Need access? Can I see my phone? You, you can request it. You just click request access. I'll give it to you. It's okay, brother. Just <laughs> this program will self detonate in ten, nine. All right. You should have access now. You can go back to it. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Can you full screen that puppy?
so the price was paid. And, and, and Jesus laid it all down. His whole life. He was crucified. He was tortured and crucified. And what He did, His sacrifice, His blood covers us and cleans out all of our sin. It wipes it all, all out. And so it's just as if you and I had never sinned before. And He gives us new life. The sacrifice was made so that you and I can have life with Christ. That's what was done. And so that's the picture we see from Leviticus. The sacrifice was made. And now what we see in verses 23 and 24, and Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. It's an incredible worship moment. They made this sacrifice. They gave everything they had. And then, and then God's fire. Whoosh. And they're like, oh my gosh. They fell on their face. They're shouting. It's a terrible thing because the Lord has just appeared to them. They just met with the Lord. What a crazy thing. But let me submit to you. That's happening here. Now, the fire of the Lord is not coming down and consuming burnt sacrifices that we're doing on Sunday morning. We don't do that. That would be strange. But what is happening is we're having worship services. People are getting saved. Families are being transformed. Some of you can see it. Some of you are the ones who God is transforming and working in you. We're meeting with the Lord. The glory of the Lord is appearing unto us. And it's an awesome, epic experience. It's great to experience God. It's awesome. There's nothing better. There isn't. If you know of someone in your family who's gotten saved... And you've been praying and waiting for that? You know what I'm talking about. If you've gotten to lead someone to the Lord, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't been saved, if you want to experience the Lord, be saved today. The sacrifice has been made. So God in this moment in Leviticus is revealing Himself to His creation and the glory of the living God is being revealed. People are meeting with the Lord and it's happening here at MBT. There are roughly a hundred people, roughly a hundred people discipling. You know what that means? Some of you are like, yeah, I think so. Some of you are like, I don't even know what you just said. There's like a hundred people discipling. In other words, there are a hundred people who are saying, you know what? I'm going to take somebody, someone who I care about, someone, someone who I've met at work, someone who I've reached out to, or someone who's just come to our church and said, I need investing, and somebody teach me the Bible. There's a hundred people who said, all right, let's do it. I want to give my life to investing the Word of God into the souls of men. A hundred people, roughly. That's a lot of people. That's a lot. The average size of a church is 80 people in America. God is working here. And I'm not tooting our horn. I'm not puffing us up. I'm just telling you, God is here and He's working and He's moving and it's awesome. There's nothing like it. And I want to ask you, we sing a song, look what God has done. Can you see what God is doing? Can you see it? And if not, that's okay. 
But let's look for it. Let's see what God's doing. So, <clears throat> Leviticus 10, this next chapter, okay? Now we're going to get to Nadab and Abihu. So this big, awesome worship service happens, and then chapter 10 happens, and it's kind of quick and kind of shocking, and here's what it is. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon. And what did they do? They offered strange fire before the Lord, which He commanded them not. Okay, kind of a strange, almost mystic type thing. But they get their instruments for sacrifice, and they're burning stuff, and they're burning, they're offering up to God some strange fire, something that God said, no, don't do that. But they said, we're going to do our own thing. I think... I know what God's doing at Midtown, but I think I'm going to do this instead. I know this is what the student ministry is about, but I think I'm going to go ahead and not do that, and I'm going to do this. You see how that might parallel with us? It's that group of people at church who says, you know, I know the agenda, but it's a couple brothers who are leaders in the group even. Deciding to do their own thing. Well, let's look what happens in Leviticus 10, verse 2. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them. And they died before the Lord. So one moment, the fire of the Lord, experiencing God is epic. It's terrifying, but it's so cool. And then the next moment, when someone says, I don't want to do it the way God wants to do it. I want to do it my way. All of a sudden, the fire of the Lord comes out. And it's costly, right? That's not even the most shocking part. Consider their names. Abayu, the second brother. His name means he is my father. His identity is a son of God. He's one of you. But Nadab, big bro, check out what his name means. It means generous. That sounds good. But it also means spontaneous. It means liberal. It means he's looking to do whatever his appetite so desires. When I was 15, I got, uh, I was starting to go to church. I think I was either saved at age 15 or 16, between my sophomore and junior year. And around that time, I was impressionable, like all youth, like all teenagers. I was very impressionable. I was a younger guy. My brother was older, and so his friends that were his age I thought were really cool, and I looked up to them. And there was one guy in particular that uh, he was always very generous, always very nice to us, to the younger guys. He was a cool guy. Um, he was cool with hanging with us, with the younger guys. And there was a time where he said, hey, Jeff, let's go hang out. We would do things. We would make dry ice bombs, blow them up in the parking lot. It was a good time. It was fun. Just kind of living life on the edge. Um, I'm not advocating for that. If you go to jail, you go to jail. You get a ticket, you're fine. You... It's tough. Um, but that's not what he led me to do. What he led me to do, because I was impressionable and I wanted to be with him, and I wanted to do whatever he did, was he got uh, a case of, of Bud Light. And he took me and uh, some friends to a cul-de-sac into a, a, a new development of houses. And he, he let me experience drinking alcohol and getting drunk for the first time. Now, I was all in. I was all about it. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm, 
I'm cool. <laughs> I'm with my brother's friends. Yeah, yeah, right? I got drunk. I made a mess of myself. I was like, hey, let's just, let's ride around and visit my friends. Like, let's show off how, but, how much of an idiot I am. <laughs> and we did. And it was stupid. It was really stupid. And, uh, man, he was generous, but he was spontaneous. He was liberal. Let's make it happen. Whatever you want to happen, happen. So I want you to ask yourself this question. What company are you keeping? Who are you hanging with? Are you hanging with Nadab? Are you looking up to Nadab? Are you hanging with people who you know deep down aren't a good influence? Maybe it's a, a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, but maybe it's just a friendship. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's a, another family member. Maybe it's, I don't know who it is. Maybe it's just a classmate, whatever. Who are you hanging with? Because it matters. Why? Because you are impressionable. You know how I know that? Because we're all impressionable. We say peer pressure doesn't affect us. Okay, cool. Peer pressure doesn't affect you. You're still impressionable. My friends now impress upon me. You know how? Because I say, hey, Philip, Nate, would you pray for me, please? I'm going through this. And you know what they do? They say, yeah, of course. And they don't judge me. They pray for me. They help me. They support me. They love me. And you know what that makes me want to do? The same thing to them. Who you hang out with matters. Because you're going to end up doing the same things. So here's our essential takeaway. Nadab and Abayu decide, meh, we're going to do our own thing. And then it costs them their life. And so the essential takeaway is this. There are always, always, always consequences for our disobedience. There's always consequences for our disobedience. You will reap what you sow. That night, I decided I was going to have a good time and experience drinking alcohol. That night, I also made a fool of myself in front of people who I, I cared about. That night, I also was risking my life. Me and some homies drinking alcohol and driving around. What the heck? There were literally people in my grade who died from doing that died right after they graduated graduated from high school decided let's let's do some drinking and hanging out driving drunk right around where jesse and jonathan live right around to the end of that road up until uh what is that nolan road little blue to nolan a girl that i had art class with in sixth grade right after she graduates driving around drunk Pulls into Nolan, slammed, killed, dead. And I don't think she was driving. I think there was a guy driving her, and he didn't die. I don't know who I feel m more sympathy for, but I tell you this. There's always consequences for doing your own thing. So... Here's the hard part. This is the shocking part to me. Leviticus 10 verse 3 says, Okay, so 
<clears throat> these sons of Aaron, these guys who are priests, they're leaders in the church, they, they do their own thing and God lets them sow what, or reap what they've sown. And so then you have Leviticus 10.3, it says, Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. And before all the people I will be glorified. You don't get to just come to me doing your own thing. I will be sanctified. I will be set apart. This is a special thing when you experience God, is what he's saying. And Aaron held his peace. So wait, what What just happened? Moses comes to Aaron. Aaron, whose two sons just died. And Moses says, Aaron, this is what I told you, man. This is what I told you. You just lost your two sons, but it's because God's glory, experiencing God, is so important. You can't just do what you want. And if I were Aaron, my two kids just died. I'd be like, dude, in my flesh, I'd be like, peace, I'm out. I'm not doing this. I just know in the weakness of my flesh, I don't know that I, I don't know how I would handle that. But Aaron says, yep, God's glory is that important. So here's your essential takeaway. Surrendering our relationships to follow Christ is the hard but right thing to do. Surrendering our relationships to follow Christ is the hard but right thing to do. Now, I'm not saying if your friends are lost, then you should just say, screw them. But what I am saying is, if you know that there are relationships that are pulling you in the wrong way, or they're just, it's just impressing wrong things into your life, surrendering them and being at peace with you're going to do this and they're going to do that and if that's separate then then that's good is the hard but right thing to do because God's glory is very important because coming before God is very important now having said that <clears throat> our sacrifice was paid your sin is covered your error our error is paid for we're good. If you're saved and you stand before God, <clears throat> your sin is paid for. He looks at you and he sees the sacrifice of his son. Right? Sin's covered. But you have the rest of your life to live for him now, to follow him now. And if you choose living that life <clears throat> and, and doing that with people who you know you're not going to be in good company with, then you're just going to you're going to reap a whole lot of destruction. It's not good. So who are you hanging with? Make sense? Okay, let's pray. And then we have a little bit of time before we got to get out of here. But um, we have just enough time that if you, if you know you're not right with God, if you know that you're here and God is here still because of your sin, you know your sin is not covered, then don't leave here without telling someone. And the counselors, we've got lots of counselors in here right now, kind of spread out. We want to know. We want to talk with you. We want to pray with you. We just want to help in whatever way you'll let us. <clears throat> and so, let's do this, just so we can kind of get an idea. If you would, just, just bow your head. Close your eyes. 
just me and a couple counselors looking around. We just want to see where you guys are at. It's a safe place for you to just be honest. So all students, eyes closed, heads bowed. And I want you to slip your hand up. If you would say, I think that I am separated from God because of my sin. I don't think that I don't have a relationship with God. Or maybe I'm unsure about that. I don't know if I have a relationship with God. I don't know if I'm saved. You can just slip, slip up your hand. Give you just a couple more seconds. You don't know that Jesus is your Savior. If you were to die today, that you would be in heaven with Him for eternity. If you don't know that, throw your hand up. Okay, but maybe, maybe you are a believer. Maybe you're saved. If you're saved and, and you know that there are relationships in your life that are toxic, they're toxic. And if you continue in them, there will be consequences. And those consequences may be grave. And you know you need to surrender those relationships. I just want you to slip your hand up. Say, pray for me. I've got relationships that need to be surrendered. Okay, I see your hands. A couple of you. Three of you. That's good. Okay. I'm going to pray for you. <clears throat> But if you would like to, man, pray with somebody, we can go into main service and pray. You can pray in here. We've got a whole other worship service where you can surrender those relationships during praise and worship. Just offer your heart. Sacrifice your heart. Sacrifice those relationships to the Lord right now. But I'm going to pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for this group, for this class, for these students and counselors. Um, these are my friends, and I love these people so much. I love them so much, and uh, I'm so thankful for them and, and how, um, how you've put us together. God, you did put us together, and you did put us in our different schools and in our different lives, in the different spheres of influence that we have, and, and some of us are saying that I've got people in my life that are toxic, that I need to surrender that relationship. Maybe that means ending it. Maybe it means... Uh, turning it. Maybe it means a conversation with that friend. Maybe, I don't know what it means. But God, you do know. And I just pray for wisdom. I pray for grace and strength for those, for those students who, who know that it needs to be surrendered. That you would help them work through what, what they need to do. Give them wisdom to know how to follow you and how to, and how to just be at peace, how to hold their peace when that thing is surrendered. God, we need your grace for that. We care about the people we care about. And it's hard to let go of, of people we care about. And so I know that there are people in here who didn't raise their hand, who are thinking of people even now probably, that they need to, um, to just surrender that connection. God, I pray for grace. And Lord, help us. Help us to follow you. Help us to, to glorify you with our lives and with our relationships. God, we love you. Um, strengthen us, engage us with the message in next service. Um, help uh, Pastor James uh, to, to speak your word and to preach it boldly and for us to receive it and to hear it, to experience you um, through praise and worship and through the receiving of your word. Help us to engage with what you have for us for the rest of this morning. God, we love you. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.